0: Welcome to a special 100th episode of Nerd Outcast Podcast. I actually missed my 100th episode. It was a few weeks ago, and I feel really bad about that, and then I realized that I probably should do something. So I've invited a ton of nerds. We're recording in my wife's lovely Pilates studio. Thank you, wife. She's back there with my baby. And we're going to be talking about a bunch of different topics tonight because tonight we are doing a toad's house. Hey, save the crosstalk. Save the crosstalk. We'll get tons of that. For those of you who don't know, a Toad's house is uh, a reference to Super Mario Bros. 3, where Mario would go in and Toad would offer him a choice of three treasure chests and he would open one and take that on his journey. Why Toad didn't just give him all three treasures, because he was trying to save the fucking world, I don't know. But we're going to be doing something similar, I have a bunch of different Toad blocks here with random questions on them, and we're going to jump right in. The very first question that I pulled was, what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle can die and they still function as a team? I've already got a group of nerds assembled who want to discuss this. Who wants to take the lead? Go ahead, Christian Masonic. Uh,
1: the answer is Leonardo, uh,
0: for
2: a
1: couple of reasons. Whoa. I understand it's controversial. Oh man, no. not a Couple anymore. of reasons. One, he does not provide you with anything that Splinter doesn't already do.
3: Leadership, for sure.
1: I, think, I believe other people can do that. Donatello, you can't lose. He, you need him for the technical aspect. Raphael uh is cool but rude uh and we all love that but it, it's it, they have Leonardo's function especially in the cartoons is to be like hey guys stop messing around wait so Let, we got a train
2: so y- wait 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 your argument for why Raphael is necessary necessary <laughs> is he's cool but but rude. But rude, and the, we love the that.
1: Ninja Turtles have a persona Of being cool radical teenagers. That's why you need Michelangelo, too. Uh, Well, well, well,
2: I mean getting into necessary action, you need to define what is the purpose of the- His
1: main, in my mind when I watch those, uh, both the movies and the shows, what he brings to it is the concentration on ninjutsu and tradition and things of that nature, which Splinter is already providing. Additionally, he uses swords When they're fighting the Foot Clan and other human people, Leonardo does not use those swords because it is too violent.
0: I was not planning on having an outcast tonight, but Christian, I think you just took the lead.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) throughout those first three movies, he's holding the swords as he kicks other people. He's using the swords for non-slicing people up reasons. But you're using the TV
4: show only. What is Michelangelo's...
1: His personality is emblematic of what the Ninja Turtles are. To lose him is to lose for an audience what the Turtles are about. He's cowabunga. He he's social pizza. media. He's surfing lingo. But as that. a
4: team goes, yeah. he's the one you can lose, and the team will still function. That's
1: the obvious answer, but they are uh, it, they are designed for our entertainment. So and and you to have
5: lose to Michelangelo...
4: Have but
5: but without Michelangelo see they're, they're, the three of them are just going to tear each other down left um. Raphael and Rafael Leonardo, Leonardo at, are just going to be, be at each other
1: Michelangelo bring the teenage aspect of them is lost without him otherwise you have a like a tough Brooklyn guy and a you know a student of ninja and a Genius. Michelangelo, Michelangelo knows yeah. what Snapchat okay, so is. So
6: the question was, which could die and could the team still function? So what is the purpose of the team? It's to fight crime and protect New York City, right? Yep. So in my opinion, you need Leonardo is the discipline. He's the focus. He's giving the team their direction. Raphael, on the other hand, being the opposite of that, the lack of caution, has the fire in the belly that they need to go and push the team to do things oh, they would not otherwise do.
7: I thought he was going to... Drop the support on that one. Okay.
6: Okay. So now, Mikey. On the other hand, I don't think I don't think they could lose Mikey because I think if Mikey died, the the overwhelming crush of emotion that would happen to the other members and other brothers. You're gonna lose Donnie. I'm gonna lose Donnie. I love Donnie. He is one of my favorites. But technical expertise can be replaced.
5: By who? I gotta
6: go. Casey Jones. Who's gonna I do, do a crossover? between
5: to be Tony oh, Stark. It will be fine. Wow, but that is. I cool. still don't think That's you're gonna be go. stable with Raphael Leonardo. That is that is canon. Those guys are at each other's throats. Without either a Donatello or a Michelangelo to buffer that, it's not gonna hold together. I'm voting for I'm voting for Raphael. He needs to go. He I is the I would agree He's that. the rogue agent. He often goes off off book and causes most of the problems. So. He's the
1: strongest. He's the most talented at fighting. In the movie TMNT, he and Leonardo get in a one-on-one real battle. Raphael kicks his ass.
5: The strongest always means best leader. Best, no, I'm not saying usable. he should
1: be the leader. Donatello should be the leader If, if on the unfortunate He's thing that Leonardo computing
5: the answer. He's going to be putting on his abacus. It's not going anywhere with Donatello.
1: Donatello is great and I don't like this kind of talk. <laughs> although I I will Bonitello I will side great. with Don on here uh,
5: that Donatello does, you could remove him. I there's a compelling argument for that too. Half yeah. the
1: time they're fighting Krang and stuff. They need to build like ships and all sorts of science stuff that the other three
5: can not simply So with the do. Goonies have been Goonies without short round? I mean
8: Oh, man. Why'd you ask
0: that? That's a good question.
8: Christian, I'm with you, and I'm going to cite an official source. Poppy did not like that. Oh, (laughs) official source? Official source. You see, in the TMNT cartoon, there is an episode where Leonardo is reading about the Three Musketeers, and then he gets amnesia and thinks about the Three Musketeers, but he thinks the other three turtles are the Musketeers. He doesn't even see himself as part of the team. He sees himself as D'Artagnan. I don't even know who D'Artagnan is. D'Artagnan's He's the support. heart. He yeah. was
1: the main character of the three musketeers. Oh, word? <laughs> <laughs> and there were four musketeers in that story, which is so weird. Oh, <laughs> <A> word?
2: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm
0: sorry. I got a bail on you. Sorry. <laughs> and on that, beautiful, you. <laughs> on that beautiful note, Bill, we must move on. Name something good that the Star Wars prequels did.
3: Okay, so, I mean, for me, I was like 12-ish when that came out, so that was like the perfect... Pod racing is my answer. I enjoyed the pod racing and the aspect of it when I was 12 years old, and I have I haven't gone back and watched the prequels since, so I don't know if it's bad now. But when I was 12, it was it was fun. Can I for ask me. a side question? Yeah.
0: Are you a racing fanatic? No. Oh, okay. You just really like the. I that just like the
3: whole the yeah the action. I remember of it. It was the action. But again, I haven't gone back to see those. Did you films. like the
0: speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah.
3: Great. But that wasn't the question. Yeah, you know. No, so it wasn't like, yeah, the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: just, I'm just I, trying to probe. Right. Like, yeah.
3: I think, yeah, that. Well, since you were 12 when they came out, did you see those before
9: the original trilogy or after?
3: Um, I think after. I saw those in theaters, and I think I saw. Not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I saw.
9: Special edition in the theater. <laughs> the best version, clearly. No, I, no, I know. no, I saw the, uh, I saw the prequels in the,
3: th- in the theater. I, I. Uh, I think I saw like the first and maybe Empire uh, like at home, but I don't know if I saw Jedi. Maybe I so did.
2: I don't remember. I had the unfortunate pleasure of getting to rewatch episode three recently. And so, uh, out of the whole movie, which is overall quite bad, uh, I thought the Senator Palp- Palpatine's time during the movie, specifically his corruption of Anakin, was quite well done. Like he got a good amount of time dedicated to him to just be, you know a bad dude being a bad dude. And I thought they, they spent
10: more time on him and, and gave him justice.: And piggybacking on that, my answer was going to be uh, his story in overall, over the three movies. I think the way he came to power and yeah. the way he corrupted the entire government yep. was really interesting. The way he played both sides and he created fear and he played on that fear. I thought that was a really interesting story. Yep. Um, unfortunately, it was within yep. the rest of it. Within crap. That and the uh, Darth Maul fight. That was awesome.
2: Oh,
5: sure. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to go off, they gave us Darth Maul, Yes. so for anyone that
10: has continued
5: to go on with the the books, comics, video games, and TV shows, Darth Maul has come out to have a wonderful arc through that, which is really good, but I would actually go with my larger answer is, we got the prequels, we got more Star Wars, and without the prequels, we would have been sitting here dormant without that in a Star Wars book canon that was going off the rails. Uh, in terms of where it continued to go, and seeing Star Wars on the big screen for me is still great.
9: Well, and you're right. It, with the, the sequels helped set up now the, or, uh, the sorry the prequels helped set up the sequels now, and all the other uh, movies and, other and the cam- stuff in between. We yeah. got
5: Clone Wars because of it. We got Rebels because so of it, Rebels, which is awesome. And, I would, so and, and I would
9: say that Clone Wars, the cartoon, was one of the greatest things that came out of the prequels.
5: Yep.
3: But, Rebels.
9: Rebels? Re- Rebels has been phenomenal, but that you know, Clone Wars, the uh, the cartoon was the first one. That, is that what you really say? We got Dave Filoni. Out. We got Dave Filoni because <laughs> of the prequels.
6: Yeah, for me, the only thing that was really great out of it, although those are excellent points, is Um uh, McGregor's performance as a young Ben Kenobi. For me, that was the yeah. highlight of it all. He just, I thought he nailed it. And then beyond that, uh,
0: it would be fun if they did a young Kenobi movie. There's rumors yeah, there's about it. There's, yeah. rumors. there's rumors. Not, Not gonna be rumors.
9: It's not gonna happen. The other thing I was thinking that was really nice that came out of it that was to see how the Jedi Order effectively was destroyed and collapsed through the you know, the events of the clone wars and the betrayals. That was nice. I thought it could have been handled a little better, but it was nice to see, you know, how they actually handled that to go down to no Jedi effectively.
0: I feel the best sequence is in Attack of the Clones Cologne, where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes into a diner and meets with that dude who has like multiple arms, and then you find out that he frequents that diner. <laughs> <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn.
11: Mm. Uh, Liam Neeson, that, that right there, just having Liam Neeson cast.
2: Lesson, we got the lesson that CG, CGI isn't yeah. always the solution. For sure. Like, mm-hmm. We would not have gotten Puppet Yoda in later movies Necessarily without us getting fully animated Yoda. Well, yeah,
3: and, and also just, I mean, in general, the, the way that the sequels have gone now has been like, we're going back to more practical stuff. So I guess yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a yeah. big thing. In it, and that's Which is
2: part of a larger movement in Hollywood, but still, like, the prequels have been. For a sure. Yeah. Huge I'll argue that, that Canto
5: Bight was a waste of money. Um, so that puppetry does not always be like, there is a smart, appropriate yeah. use. And there's actually way more digital happening in. Force Awakens and Last Jedi and all of those that you were unaware if you watch any of those it's, ILM yeah, yeah, reels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's intelligent use yeah. of yeah. that, which maybe at the very yeah. least kind of us back. I think yeah. I've
9: just realized what the greatest thing about the prequels were was it made all of us so angry at George Lucas. He said, the hell
12: with this. I'm sending <laughs> it to Disney. You guys have it. I
9: would
2: that, say is, that is true. I, I like that point.
12: I would say for episode one, it's clearly Darth Maul. He's one of the best Sith Lords period. He's a Jedi killer. You don't see him do a lot of Force stuff, but you see him kick a lot of ass. Uh, Episode 2 is the first time you see more than two lightsaber-wielding people mucking around. Instead, you see about 200 Jedi fighting thousands of droids. That was a really cool scene. Loved it the first time I saw it. Um, And then I would say Episode 3 arguably has the best opening of any of the Star Wars movies. That opening scene where you just hear those war drums going and then you just see two fighters literally running down the entire bow of a ship and when it clears out of the way there's a huge battle going on yeah and the so problem it goes from, from quiet to just you're yes. in the shit
9: and i agree the problem with episode three was you went from that to a bunch of slow 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 okay final lightsaber battle okay we're done yeah. i'm
3: going to change my answer for pod racing to john williams score it's like all
5: right,
2: that's you fair. You can always say that. So like that's, that's a song.
3: Source
12: song score whatever. The whole thing was good. But the thing about Star Wars was it effectively died in 1986. 83 was the last movie. 86, Marvel got rid of their comic books. So then Dark Horse picked it up. But who the hell was reading Dark Horse? So until from 86 uh, from 80 yeah. But Dark Empire. But it was a very specific audience at that point. Dark Empire didn't come until the 90s. So 91. Timothy Zahn comes out with his his uh, Thrawn trilogy, well not the Thrawn trilogy, but the first of- that is effectively when most people believe that the expanded universe began, even though there were books bef- before that. There were the, the Lando trilogy in 83, there was uh, there was Han's trilogy, there was the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, and there was the first book ever, um, Splinter of Mind's Eye, which is what created the Kyber crystal, which is now used in canon in the movies, so I don't think you needed the prequels to keep it in the discussion. It was there already. It may not have been as popular as it was once we first found episode one, but it wasn't going away. For me, the best thing that came out of it was the true
13: expansion of the universe in the terms of, like, there were a ton of, like, uh, characters that were just, like, in the background as Jedi who get fleshed out in those cartoons, but, like, were awesome designs. There were a lot of great designs that were necessarily, weren't necessarily well implemented. Like, I, I loved uh, Queen Amidala's ship from the first movie, that sleek silver ship that's so different than anything you see in the original trilogy. And there's just this idea of, like, oh, there's this whole, like, it's a huge universe, but there's an even huger universe that we haven't seen. And the fact that other people handled those things better and sort of, like, developed them better was was really interesting to me. Because, like, just the design of, like, a Tortuga, Like, that's directly out of the prequel movies, but, like, then someone made Ahsoka Tano, and, like, she's a fucking great Star Wars character.
9: Yeah, and, and I don't think the failure of the prequels was of the concept. I think some of the concept and ideas were fantastic. I think it was more the execution, and I think mm-hmm. that fault, of course, I think 78% Script of us all agree that it had a lot to do with George Lucas, the execution, but— but yeah, I'm fully on board. The Clone Wars TV show Ahsoka Tano is a great example of amazing characters that came out of that, and it really helped propel and broaden that universe that I've loved. i really enjoyed all the Dave Filoni stuff. Yeah. And, I, and
5: I saw a comment in an article to Durette, which was, you know, the, the, a movie that makes a lot of money could be considered not a failure, and the prequels made a lot of money. But a bigger failure in the culture was Avatar, it made so much money yet no, most people don't remember the conversation. It's not there anymore, and it we made a lot. Movies. Right, we all asked for those movies, right? But I just I find it yeah, I find that interesting, right? Just because you make a lot of money, but the conversation of the prequels continued, even though they may have not been good by a lot of people. The conversation continued,
0: and that's good. Your next question is also Mace Windu. Also Mace Windu. <laughs> um, the next question is who is the best James Bond and why? Who wants to take it?
6: Well,
1: so I mean, it's Sean
0: Connery.
6: Until recently, I would have agreed that Sean Connery was the best Bond because he originated the role. He's the archetype for the super spy. Oh, All did these one. change kids. it for you? No. Well, I mean, we're talking about the performer in the role, not about the quality of the film. Because the last couple of Bond movies have not been great, but. To me at this point, Daniel Craig is the better Bond. And the reason for that was recently the Bond films came back up on Amazon Prime, all the originals. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna watch these. I'm gonna watch these with my kids, we'll have some fun with it, that kind of stuff. First in in a through a modern lens, they are now to me unwatchable. The level of misogyny in them, oh, yeah. Yeah. the mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. that Connery's Bond treats women is just Icky. Even Roger Moore wasn't that much of an influence. No, I, I yeah. know it's like yeah. it's it's and so and so at least the new the new the new Bond the way they've written him it's mm-hmm. it's a more modern Bond. Yeah, he's still Bond. He's a womanizer, that kind of stuff. But it's at a level that's more tolerable <laughs> than yeah. before. And yeah. lot's of trip to the writing, but I think also Daniel Craig of all of them is probably the strongest actor. I think it brings a lot more depth and more life behind it than. The others did. Uh,
7: I'm just so. going to go ahead and chime in for one sentence, by request of Melissa McNamara, to point out that Daniel Craig is the one I would pick because he's the one I would have sex with, and that is the end of my input. Thank you,
1: Gavin.
11: <laughs> 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 uh, for the record, I'm straight, and
1: I would have sex with Pierce Brosnan, no problem. Uh, I, <laughs> silence. <laughs> yeah. Just think about it. And I I would agree
9: that Daniel Craig has done a phenomenal job. I, personal preference, I do, of course, go to Connery. He was the first one. He was kind of the archetype. But as much as I love Sean Connery, if you look at his breadth of work, he is not the greatest actor. Um, But he did really set the tone that everybody else since then, including George Lazenby and Timothy Dalton, have been trying to emulate and continue on. Uh, I did grow up in the 80s, so I did have a soft spot in my heart for Roger Moore as well. Uh, but yeah, typically, ninety percent of the time, default to Sean Connery. Joel.
11: I would go with Sean Connery as well, um, as the. because he is the originator. Um, but there is always something about the style and class of Pierce Brosnan that just would, when sure. you when you when sure. you when you to me if I'm gonna look for if if it's all by look, and by the way you hold your the hold themselves it is. All Pierce Brosnan. Pierce, Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan was
1: to me. He is the martini swilling, looking cool at a casino. I think that he embodies that aspect of Bond, yeah. which is arguably superficial, though it is very important. Sean Connery is great. He's super Irish. He's super, Done. which is you know. I, I don't. I don't mean that as a racist. Thing. <laughs> he's, that's, the Irish are great. And he's Scottish. Uh, a proud people. He's still he's Scottish. Great. He's
9: still Scottish. He, he's he's oh. Scottish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scottish. Well, no, then
1: I don't know what I'm talking yes. about. But Pierce Brosnan has a, a slick aspect. Sean Connery's a little bit more, a little rougher around the edges. He, um, the, the writer, uh, Ian Fleming, had issues with Sean Connery's initial casting, but he won him over. But Pierce Brosnan seems to be th- based on the text of the Fleming novels, seems to be the truest of them. Roger Moore is garbage. Yeah.
6: Well, the thing, the thing about Pierce Brosnan, I, lo- I mean, I love Pierce Brosnan. When he was doing Remington Steel, I was a kid, his first mm-hmm. run. I, we were all hoping that fans, well, that he would become Bond. So yep. I was so thrilled when he became Bond. I think Pierce Brosnan is a better James Bond in the Thomas Crown Affair than he is in the James oh, yeah, Bond. That's,
9: yeah, that's so, yeah. so. And I, I, my thing with Pierce Brosnan, and I did love his movies, I thought he did have a great embodiment of, you know, touching back to the classic Sean Connery with a more modern twist. I thought he, you know, because Timothy Dalton's two movies were garbage. garbage. Uh, but, but they, it was almost like they, they you know, forewent everything that come before them where Brosnan brought back a lot of that suave sophistication. I will say the one thing about Daniel Craig is, they haven't fully engaged that suave sophistication. They've touched on it, but he doesn't quite have it the way Connery and even Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan... Sure. The
1: thing about sure. it
7: is... And I, he could sit on my face and it'd be totally True, perfect. yes. That was Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the thing about it is is that, while I probably ultimately, yes, Daniel Craig is the strongest actor, uh, he was also blessed with better movies, better written movies. True. Oh, yeah, yeah for, yes. sure. for sure. Yeah. That helps a lot. Pierce Brosnan was in four movies, only one of which is unanimously considered good. Golden is good. The other three are not great. Some of them are okay, some of them are bad. Die Another Day is bad. <laughs>
13: but isn't every isn't every Bond good in their first movie now? Oh yeah. More. Like yeah. And then the other ones well, are kind of blah because it's except just for a, George Lazenby
9: and Timothy Dalton.
1: Look, Skyfall <laughs> is his is the best of the correct no, movies. No, not Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. I don't know. I think Skyfall is way better than Casino Hands Royale. Down. They're both good. I just think
13: it, too bad. I think it's a concept that is outlived its time, and whenever it gets refreshed, it's like, oh, cool. There's a new person as James Bond, and it feels kind of new and modern. And then after one movie, you're like, oh, this is not new and modern. This is a Sixty-year-old idea that kind of sucks. The,
9: the one thing I do enjoy <laughs> about but the Daniel Craig Drizella.
13: I'd love to see a Drizella, but great. I bet. But I bet you, after the second movie, you're like, oh, I've kind of seen this before. It's tired.
9: Oh. Yeah. But, but yeah. the plus, yeah. one of the pluses to the Daniel Craig takeover was, you know, the Pierce Brosnans. They were continuing that trend of being completely over the top, ridiculous spy level. You know, breaking laws of physics with stunts. The Daniel Craig movies have at least gotten back to a, somewhat of a world of He's possible, a human. you know, reality. He's human. He's a human in it he can actually get hurt. It, His car can't, you know, jump off a ramp and go for, you know, eight thousand feet.
13: It's like if you read comics and you know, if you look at Superman over the decades or Batman over the decades, every decade that version of Batman reflects that decade and the sensibilities of that decade, and Bond does the same thing, but less well.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> because it
13: hangs on to these kind of old ideas that it won't let go of.
1: I would like to make clear that Roger Moore is a terrible James Bond. He's the perfect <laughs>
13: 70s James Bond, though.
1: Okay. I would, I would
11: convince, got- which is still a terrible James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> he, may, he's, he, he takes, his James Bond is completely different from any other. That may not make him a good one, no. However, however, he take, his take on it is his own. And for that, I would give him his own, All I would right. give him his respect. Because he does it in a completely different way than anybody yes, else does.
1: He is James Bond, and I'd have a different take, but I'd be a bad one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I... <laughs> That's <interesting>? mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> that I true I, 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 I
9: believe you'd get one day on set. That's about it. Uh, where Roger Moore had 10 years, roughly, of what, five movies yeah. or six movies? I mean, no, he had, had the most, I think. Roger
1: Moore is better cast against James Bond than I am. I would love to make that <laughs> <really good>. and, <laughs> and, and
13: Live or Let Die is, is pretty good. It's the best Bond song. It's the best uh,
10: live, live, Well, yes,
9: Paul McCartney. I mean, how can you argue with that? But well, yes, so, I, I agree. Live or Let Die is phenomenal.
1: <laughs> oh Alright, we,
0: we have to move on to our next question um, your, your next question is Blank is the greatest video game hero because of Blank
8: Cloud is the greatest video game hero of all time Because he self-analyzes He realizes how crappy he is And then he becomes a better person
6: yeah, the
1: answer is Samus Aran. Uh, she is the hero of Metroid, a little series from Nintendo. I don't know if, if you've heard of it. No,
4: nobody played that um, one.
1: Not only did she um, buck trends of a time period that said only men could be heroes, the very idea that Samus was a woman was meant as a crazy, insane twist at the end of the original game. Uh, she takes off her helmet and reveals she's a woman, and all of America lost their shit. Um, Only and- America,
7: though. Only America. No one else, everyone else was like right. I right. saw it in, in Japan, world, in, in Belgium, they were not busts. Belgium kind of like race Everything right she's room. been
1: through over the course of that series, we have Super Metroid, we have the Metroid Prime series. You know. We
3: don't say, talk about Other M, though.
1: Say what you want about Other M, but it still kept it was still kept the focus on one singular person. Link is right. an obvious answer to this question. And the right But answer. there has been a million Links that are not all the same hey, entity. that's a great segue. And there's <laughs> ciphers Link, for a character. Link
2: is the greatest hero of all time because. He hero. is represented across several decades, thousands of years, we don't know, but across a huge span of time. Just to hit the question on the head, he is the greatest hero of all time. But what about Mario?
1: He is very important as well. <laughs> Uh-oh. So Mega just Man a
12: <laughs> is the greatest hero in video games. He's the constant underdog. He also existed for centuries. Uh,
2: eventually upgraded. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Mega Man? Did? You can't count Mega Man and Mega Man X. I mean he's to solidly guys. within
2: two thousand and X. That's he, one decade. He he existed <laughs> for centuries. Wait,
1: 20 XD uh, something.
12: He was upgraded. But Mega Man is essentially the, the boy with his pet dog that can also be a surfboard or a springboard or a submarine. And he never fights an enemy that's not way more powerful than him, but always finds a way to win. Even after he loses his mentor, who died. Centuries ago, he still gets back up and does the job. Whoa, whoa, Wait, are you whoa, counting whoa. Mega Man X in this? So you're wow. talking
2: about Mega Man X. Well, yeah, he's a, t- Man. a different. Yeah, he's, he's, a different he's, he's
12: Mega Man upgraded. No. Okay, no, he's then, a completely well,
2: different. Well, then you
1: gotta say X. if you're. Well, well I'm
12: going with Mega Man because I enjoy the
2: original Mega Man. Well, but he, he exists
1: he knows for, his to tie in his. He Dr. Light. Yeah, he does. But
2: later on, Dr. Light is dead. Mega Man X was a completely different robot. Yes. Completely different role. He is. 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 Alright. Okay. about All right. buck Hold on. Bumble. <laughs> Hold on. I see, I see Gavin furiously. Banjo and Kazooie.
0: Yeah. Gavin furiously ra- raising your eyes. I wasn't furious. No. Oh. No, I just was like. Who yeah. would you have sex with? Or anything. Um,
7: I'm actually just going to, just to flip Jeremy on his little bit, I'm actually going to say Zelda, not Link, is a better hero. agree. Because based on the newer games, he, like, while he was, you know, sleeping and being half dead, spoiler alert. She, for like hundreds of years, is basically like just sitting and like locked and holding Ganon in place. And then in, I'm going to pretend I played these ones and like them, but like in Wind Waker, right, she's, they, they've done a lot with making her like a secret hero throughout the time. And so she kind of ends up in almost every game sacrificing a whole lot and then pretty much spent a hundred years just non, in the most recent uh, Zelda non-stop, at least hundred years, non-stop suffering. Bad like just sitting there basically being tortured for a hundred years to block block him so i think like to just to just to she is the wisdom however the real answer is waluigi and um (laughs) wait what i don't know strictly in tennis and party games yes and a way just to make an even more flamboyant character than luigi
4: but what about master chief guys
0: Oh. Oh, oh, John. You're saying Master Chief? Yeah. That's not who I was going to peg you to say. Who did you think I was going to say? Commander Shepard.
4: I was going to guess th- those were the two. Those are, your two. Those are my two, <laughs> but I'm going with I'm going with Master Chief because he's the everyman. Like he's he's you can identify more he with is, him. The he, is, he is. He is. Hold on, on, hold on. In in the first three games, he has he's he's really you you are you are Master Chief. You really are. Um, it's it's in the later games that he really gets more of a personality. So, like, in the first, I would say the first three games, he is you. Like, you become Master Chief. Gordon
1: Freeman is an everyman. Master Chief is not an
8: everyman. Master Chief is kind of like the opposite of an everyman. Also,
7: I just learned that Halo has characters. (laughs) (laughs) I had uh, no idea. His name is John. I had no idea. I thought it was just a sh an online <laughs> shooting game
12: also if you're a marine and you're ever going in battle with master chief just you you die like that is exactly how that happens
0: unless you're
4: mithin phillian sure
6: then, and then you get recast. All,
12: right. all
0: right all yeah. right just to keep us moving dominic take us out what's the answer yeah I, I
6: i don't think we can have this conversation without discussing lara croft i mean here you have an iconic character who has kept this franchise going for 20 plus years has set the stage for the tough action heroine that we now see much more often thankfully um, and has had a great influence on, on the industry.
4: Do you have Sorry. a preference on the Laura Croft? On pyramid boobs. <laughs> which Laura Croft, though? I mean, they reworked her.
6: Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm talking about over time. I mean, you know, you know and, if you, and if you go back to the original, I mean, you, and sort of set the stage for the Tomb Raider film, the first one, which is probably one of the few successful commercially uh, video game films that's come across. I mean, it hit a zeitgeist in a way that. I'm mean, not saying you know compare against other characters, but I think if we're having this conversation about who is the greatest, she should be included.
2: But, but, I, but if we're talking about it, like in the grand scope of things, like uh, what all the heroes have done, Link saves the world every time. It's different links, though. That's well, one. Okay, lower okay I oh, right, you If one, you yeah. want to Samus, pick a Link, one, huh. I'll pick a Link. But it. I, Link is a hero across all the ze- legends. Oh, Zelda. for sure. I, you, you know, I guess it depends. He, I was, we were having this
6: conversation. About, you know, which is the greatest character? What aspect is making that character right. the greatest? I'm taking it from the approach of you know cultural influence. I okay. think your I point think is well that. taken.
1: I just think uh, Samus. I h- hope would get a lot of credit. She was around 10 years before Lara Croft and was th- pr- sort of the original female action heroine. Um, She's not as famous as Warcraft. Can't sidebar,
7: though, that that was where Angelina Jolie really jumped the shark on being a good actress. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, she's like, I won an Oscar, now I'm gonna go do Two more. Gavin gets
0: bonus points bringing up Angelina Jolie. We unfortunately have to move—oh, Ryan, go ahead. Sorry. Uh,
5: I did like the idea of Master Shepard. I did like the idea (laughs) of— Master (laughs) Shepard!
0: They have been
2: blended (laughs) into one! like, Like Vegito. Uh, I also i like... also
5: just saw the
7: Mass Effect as characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Did he, did
2: he... oh, since Dragon Ball Z has uh, Budokai, uh, Goku. Krillin! So I, I'd like to say a word about I do Krillin. like.
10: No.
5: So, where, where Shepard has an arc, I like that. I think Lara has an arc as well, both of which I like. I'm actually going to go a little bit broader and go King Graham from the King's Quest series. Oh, wow. Um, and not only King Graham, but his family that falls into it. And you get to see generational impact. So, you get to see that. Yeah compared to, I think, Link and Zelda, are both always refreshed and rebooted and rarely go through an actual Campbellian hero cycle. They never get to actually reach much conflict. They never actually, they go on a journey, but never really a hero's journey the way potentially Shepard does, the way Lara does. And I just think King Graham was my foremost original, like going through, he's in game one, two, five, uh, and six. And I think to see him go from a young Teenager to a dotting old grandfather was a great way to see who, the who ramifications. Is cool.
2: Who is that? Nameless. Okay. We,
0: unfortunately, have to move on. Uh, your next question is, what is George R.R. R. Martin's greatest strength and his greatest weakness?
4: Who wants it? Who's starting? I think we're all going to say the same thing. Well, we
1: can all agree that his weakness is his uh Lack of prolificness Yes it, it, It's taking too long At this point I have serious doubts About it Those books
9: Yeah I, I, I will agree And I think one thing That feeds into that Is I feel like his writing style He comes up with these great ideas But it's like he's just Wandering all over the place I think he's backed himself Into a corner and Doesn't even know how To get out of it
4: Just out of wild curiosity Has everyone read The most recent book Did it come out?
9: <laughs> <laughs> the most you, recent Dance book Dragons? Came out six years ago Oh yeah I read Dance that Dragons. Yes Yeah
4: Yes uh, because it's it's very different from the show.
9: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, well, but, he, but that, that's any show, movie versus the, no, fiction, it was, it was the
4: literature, yeah. Pretty close up until then.
9: Yeah, but that's uh, I think I'm going with what you said. But that's I, a completely different
4: discussion. No, 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 I think that goes along exactly with what you were saying. He got he's like, Oh, what am he's, I gonna write
9: now? He, I'm gonna throw a new character in that I can't possibly round up. By the end of the story, well, I think he's got to the point now. He's a Hollywood producer type. He's like, it's much easier to write uh, television than it is HBO to write
4: a thousand-page book. thousand-page and Peter
1: Crows did it too, and that was long before the show. I, I think his best, his strength is the creativity. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. But I don't believe he's the best ex- executor of his own story. I don't believe the books, even the even the beloved Storm of Swords, is. A Better version of that story than Game of Thrones is I I, I think he he gets off track He over describes. Yes, three three pages about food on a table. Yeah. Yeah, here's the problem that JK Rowling did in Order of the Phoenix Uh The book had become so the series had become so beloved that nobody could edit her down You turn that in and say this is what it is. Who's gonna say actually a hundred pages can be cut you're the biggest thing in the world. I love yeah. in the yes. um, and I think that happened to him as well. No, I, 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 I think agree. his
2: biggest strength is uh, uh, pretty obvious. He's very good at killing his darlings. That, yeah. True, yeah. yes. Well, and,
10: and, no, no, and beyond as that... Good as you think. Tyrion and
1: Lannister's going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, I
10: feel like he does... With that, he creates a sense of danger that I haven't had in other books that I've yeah. read. And... Um, and even bigger than that, c- creates a sense of, I'm not really sure where this is going to go. Yep. Like, I, the first book, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew, okay, this is, you this is I can dying. give you the beats. And then he completely, you know, completely changed the, I think the script for it. He decides
1: early on who's going to die, and then they never become his darlings because they're already fated to die. I don't think he gives a shit. About any of the main characters who have died. But, but the fact Rob Stark is the least established Stark of the entire but series. But the fact
9: that he is able to write it in such a way that us the reader become engaged and they become our darlings, and he rips that out from underneath us, it's it's gut wrenching. But yeah, like to Sean's point, that was like because I watched the series the first season before I read the books. When you know Ned dies, that was what grabbed me. It was like oh crap, I'm gonna have to read this now because this wasn't going where I thought it was. Right. Now I want to know what's happening.
0: Great. Okay, we need that. Oh, All right, done. Right. Uh, next question: What do you love more, Star Wars or Star Trek, and why?
4: If I had to choose, it would be Star Wars because that's—I mean, that's what I—that's what I hit first.
9: So you have to choose. That was the question.
4: Star Wars. I'm, I'm choosing Star Wars, 100%. But... And you'd be right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I... just—the only thing I have to say on this subject is that the answer—and this is rare—that I have only one thing to say. Star Wars is the answer for me, and that has always been my answer, but Star Trek, as I've gotten to know it better, has made that choice very difficult. Star Trek is better than I thought it was, and Star Trek has something about it that Star Wars doesn't have that I really appreciate. I think it, 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 it's a little closer to home. It's a little bit closer to who I am, but Star Wars has a majesty um, yeah. that Star Trek can. If we
4: talk about Star Trek as a whole... It's not not Star Trek, but if we talk about specific Star Trek shows, then it becomes a different story. Like, I love The Next Generation.
13: I love the the original show.
9: Voyager? Enterprise? Deep
13: Deep Space Nine is a very, very very good show. show. And if you asked me this question in 2008, I would probably say Star Trek. But in 2018, I have to say Star Wars. And if you asked me in 1998, I'd probably say Star Wars. Like, <laughs> it's gone back and forth over the years because, yeah. like, there's just a certain. It's more in the. I mean, I think Star Trek has more sustainability in some ways because it's a little bit like deeper of a universe in terms of like the, the characters in the world they've built is so much bigger just because of being a TV show franchise mostly and not a film franchise. And Star Wars can feel kind of shallow sometimes, which, which I say yeah. I still pick Star Wars, but Star Wars has a bad tendency to be much more incestuous with its own ideas of and like characters and characters <laughs> and all and all the like, but like all the expanded universe stuff is like, well, the bounty hunters. And It's like, well, if all the universe is bounty hunters, what the hell's going what the hell is going on in this universe? You know, like it's sometimes it didn't have like the depth and like the kind of. I, and we talked about the prequels earlier like even though it was kind of boringly handled like the idea that there's a republic and collapse is a cool idea that the Star Wars universe needed you know do you know what solidified
4: it for me and this is going to be weird but it was Knights of the Old Republic
13: yes yeah that is an amazing game and the twist is that that game was better than the prequels which were happening
4: yeah, around the I same time I totally <laughs> agree with you
9: And I would go back to, you know, my childhood seeing, you know, Star Wars on the big screen when I was a wee little thing, and then obviously Empire and Jedi, that it's magical, it's space opera, it's bigger than life, it sucks you, and it's got these huge epic characters and storylines where basically Star Trek was an episodic weekly show. Uh, Great show, still love it, but, you know, clearly the movies have been hits and misses, you know, nobody's holding up Search for Spock or The Final Frontier's great movies, And if you are, I'm coming for you right now.
13: First contact, Uh, (laughs) though. First contact. First contact is amazing.
9: Wrath of Khan, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's great. Uh, But, you know, again, getting back to Star Wars, for me personally, it was just because of that grand scale, the storytelling. Yes, Mm -hmm. maybe not the most scientifically accurate. I mean, they missed a few things. But uh, it really hit home for me, and it's been with me since I was a child.
13: And I just want a lightsaber.
9: Right. I'm I'm also Star Wars,
3: mainly because I didn't, I haven't, like... I never was really uh, exposed to Star Trek. And like through the music, through all the action to all the people that I know when I was younger. Also, pod racing, if i said this before? <laughs> 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 uh, One of the best N64 games like, out I mean, there. Yeah, yeah right, I mean, that's mainly my connection. But uh, I have gone, I remember, I think, I don't remember what film this was, but I did see a Star Trek film that had something to do with Data and the Borg and like something about Rogue, I, I don't know <laughs> it was first contact. Yeah. yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed that film and, and like I don't know a lot about the. and some of the newer Star Treks are good.
13: It, um, if you want to dive into Star Trek, but don't want to watch like 21 episodes <laughs> right. or 21 seasons of television, just start with Star Trek: the Next Generation's Next Generation Season Three. Yeah. Just
1: Honestly, skip I watched the First, first two. Contact before I watched Next Generation. And was all like, oh, my God, the Borg is so much cooler in First Contact. I didn't know how cool. Yeah. Here's a oh, question. You
3: know, for everybody who's kind of a little bit of a fan of both, how, have you guys seen the newer Star Trek? Yes. And how does it compare to the newer Star Wars?
4: I like the newer Star Star. See, I Trek? I I, 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 missed, <laughs> I messed it up. I like the newer Star Trek because it reminds me more of Star Wars, which is why my brother, who's standing over your left shoulder right now,
13: Chris, uh,
5: hates it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I um, did.
13: I did not like Discovery. It's well done, and the acting is great, and they cast it great, and it's actually kind of well written sometimes. Doug
1: Jones is, very
13: good. Doug Jones is great. Oh, she's Doug the girl, Jones the, great. the woman who plays Michael Burnside, who I'm not oh, remembering off the top of my head. She's so good, and uh, and what's his head from Harry Potter is really great too. Yeah, and it's it all the elements are there and it should be really good and it's trying so hard to be like fan servicey in a way that I'm like i hate this
1: don't what, do this to me what they're almost saying is that the 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 Seth MacFarlane show it's almost. It's more really Star Trek. good. That was right, what right. I was yeah, gonna
6: watch it. It's yeah. A, it's really yeah. good. USS Callister, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs>
5: the Orville is a better Star Trek than Discovery is.
6: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That upsets me. Uh, Dominic. So no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this. Uh, I'm gonna go for Star Trek over Star Wars for me personally. Um, and it has not as much of it to do about the the quality of the show or uh, quality of the universe as for a couple of reasons. One is. When I was a kid, and I've got a few years on most of the people in this room, it was the, is the aspirational nature of it and sort of the relatability of it and sort of you know who do you want to be, the kind of person you want to be, and that was mm-hmm. what I gravitated about Star Trek. Also, when I grew up, you know, like the f- that was sort of the height of the Trek convention circuit. And now you go and it's really kind of just died off. The Internet's basically killed the whole convention scene for, for that kind of thing. But um, at that time, as a kid, as a geek growing up in the suburbs of Detroit, the first place you kind of felt like you belonged was at a Star Trek convention. Because where we grew up, you know, comic book stores weren't around, that kind of thing. And so there's an emotional attachment to there. Even though, quite honestly, I have not liked the last several iterations of Trek, Discovery included, it still holds a special place for me. And so when I would like, sort of share geeky stuff with my kids, we start with Trek more than we would start with Star Wars. I, I, wanna, I, so.
2: I, I like that, and I also want to stay Star Trek you've given me courage across the sea, (laughs) sea of Star Wars. Uh, And and I've always been a science fiction fan. Uh, Science fiction has a great purpose in that it is introspective to culture as it is right now, society as it is right now. So Star Trek to me is not only entertaining, but it serves a purpose primarily to talk about what happens with humans or society, civilization and technology which is an ever-present question now and forever. You
1: said something important there that I want us to focus on. Star Trek and Star Wars are not the same genre. No. Star no. Trek is science fiction. Star Wars is fantasy. Correct. It's yeah. fantasy that takes place in space. space, but it is fantasy. It's fantasy, And for they're sure. completely different. Yep. They and both have Star as their first name, but beyond that... But it's,
2: it's still apples to oranges. Yeah, and that's, yeah, to
1: compare them is folly. Star Trek is doing something differently. It's smarter than sm- Star Wars, ultimately. It's more about who we are as America than Star Wars is, which is about like something different, something more entertaining and I something think, different.
10: And that's what brings me back to Star Wars, being which I love more, because that hits me on... It's an emotional journey. It's this spiritual emotional journey that he's going through as he become as he matures and becomes uh, an adult. And so seeing that as a kid hit me in that gut and Mm -hmm. helped me see that whereas Star Trek I saw later, and it hits me in much more of an intellectual way. I love it because it's I love the fake science of it, and I love looking forward and all that kind of stuff, but Star Wars hits you in that emotional place. See, yeah, for me, The emotional oh, thing, like, like, yeah. for me,
6: it was like that relationship between Kirk and Spock and McCoy, mm-hmm. that kind of friendship that they really hit oh, hard true. when they got to the, the original series films. But like, that core of it hit me in a way that yeah. none of the relationships in Star Wars, as much as I've enjoyed the movies, have ever like, resonated that strongly. Oh, you're personally. absolutely just, right. There are stronger so.
2: relationships in Star Wars.
0: I unfortunately have to keep this moving along, and this is a bit of a related question. Who do you want as your leader, Captain Picard or Admiral Adama? There
13: is only one right answer to this question. It is Captain Picard, Admiral Adama. It was very brave and really saw them through a terrible thing, but he is a fucking mess. He slobbered all over that wall he was trying to paint, and Picard... Ah though aspirational and maybe a little too stoic, is amazing. So say uh, you all.
2: Agreed. <laughs> uh, yeah, there is no other choice than yeah. Captain Picard. He Picard will
9: actually work to try to save your life yeah. and not oh, sacrifice yeah. it. Yeah.
2: He, he is a well-rounded individual that uh, takes a lot of careful consideration on every big decision that he makes, and he's very talented, skilled at leading people.
0: Wait a second, can I chime in? Since yeah, totally. I haven't said anything? Oh, since, oh. since we're talking about saving lives, how many red shirts have died under Picard where Adama's whole purpose was to save Well, Chris, the if you, you knew any anything
13: about the next race. generation, you they know they're gold shirts. Yeah. <laughs> because security people are wearing gold yes. in, in that generation. You, you lost
9: Tasha Yar and about five other people, that's
6: about it. But she
4: came back so, and... <laughs> so I, I
6: have a it, it depends on the context of what situation are you trying to be led in? Oh, yeah. Because Picard is definitely the more well-rounded, but in a, in a military, like, serious situation like that, I can Hey, he beats the board. But as, like, an overall leader, Adama is nothing without Rosalind, it takes the two of them together to actually make yep. the decisions that are... The rest are the Do you remember process? that episode <laughs> oh. Oh, where God.
1: Picard was in the elevator with those two children that won an they, award for, like, yes. How we can... <laughs> You know, learn about the empire. They were in such danger, and Picard guided them with such strength and such wisdom that I didn't think he had—he was capable of—and I was so impressed by him. Picard, Adama wouldn't have done that in a million years. Picard is wide-angle and close focus in He's a way Adam that Adama is only wide-angle. Well, Adama's
6: fought. A very tough war in his history. He's a warrior in a way that Picard wasn't and but, hasn't been tested. But let's face and it, Adama tested.
9: came out of the previous Cylon War, had been relegated to running basically a, one of the oldest ships in the fleet, was ba- about to be put out to pasture, and circumstances left him as basically the only commander left who had to embrace it all, where Picard is an amazingly well-rounded, you know, he looks after his people, he's brilliant in uh, a fight, he looks for solutions where Adama is just either kill them or let's get the hell out of here. Yes. So I'm
4: gonna, so do you guys for... remember when the Borg attacked and wiped out
13: Starfleet? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, very so, similar. Yeah, and he, and he
5: was in charge, and that went great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah where I'm going, I'm going to go post-Locutus Picard. I think adding a little bit of the humanity to him to understand there can be some spectrum to some of that and to see the later confrontation he has with Benjamin Sisko on DS9 to kind of show that there are different leaders and that there, there are aspects of that. I think season one through three Picard is not, or one through two Picard is not gonna get you as far as post-Borg Locutus is gonna be able to get you. I, I'm only I thinking post-Borg, I, I am.
1: Look, he's ultimately who he ended up to be. We can't just—we're not gauging him based on the pilot episode of the show. It's, it's, Thank if it, God. If it weren't for Q to guide him,
9: we wouldn't have had the Picard we have. Oh. Q sucks.
13: No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Tapestry is maybe one of the best episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation ever. And where great where, Carol, where, where is, he, he see—he gets to see—he gets to change one mistake in his life where he doesn't get stabbed through the heart. And Q lets him do that. And then he gets to see what a boring, dull person he would have been. That is a good episode. And and it is truly a gift. And Q uh, bookending the series with the, as weak as kind of the pilot is, that finale to that show is maybe one of the best Mm-hmm. Series finales ever made.
9: It, it suddenly made Mission to Far Point relevant.
13: And right. let's talk about the series finale
9: I for
7: Battlestar. Can I also chime in that I was really sad that that was not Tapestry by Carole King? Yep. Um, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I very genuinely thought you were making a Carole King cross <laughs> <I'm> reference. <sorry. laughs>
0: uh, and I, okay. <laughs> Sean, I see you sat down. Oh,
10: I just, um, I was thinking that Picard would probably be more on top of, like, the 401k. He would, uh, he would be much more about the health insurance. I think he would be much more on top of that stuff, so i gotta <laughs> go, got to go with Picard.
9: He's singing
0: long-term. He's not yeah, just thinking. Yeah, you know? yeah he's like yeah. the nuts and H- bolts H-Card of the, you you know, the corporate structure. That's where it's all
4: at. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. We have to move on. If you can only show someone one Hayao Miyazaki film, what film would it be and why? Uh,
7: all right, um, the obvious answer, I think, the obvious answer in terms of getting someone into it, I think is probably Spirited Away, only by arc of what that represented for like, I, like that was kind of where they pit their apex or like mm-hmm. their peak. Um, and a personal answer, I'd really want to make people watch My Neighbor Totoro. just that it's very different. But uh, yeah, Spirited Away or then Howell's Moving Castle between the two, um, but Spirited Away just because it's, I feel like it's just really where they hit every, every exact
13: chime. It's and I incredibly approachable. I, I've seen about half of his films at this point, and I would say one of the ones that really like, Spirited Away is amazing, it was one of the first ones I saw, but one of the ones later that I was like, oh, there's something really Beautiful and simple. Here was Kiki's delivery service. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, because yeah. it was like it, the story is very simple, but then there's like this scene between a young woman and a young girl just talking about like the nature of art. It's it's really good. It's just so good. Um, so I might push people to that. I don't know, but I haven't again. I haven't seen them all
2: it, since it's the, a question of the first. I think it's just obviously Spirited Away, and that's partially because it's newer. You've got a production style that, and quality that is up, uh, really, really well done. Yeah. The story is there. Well, the is the question, are, to
7: clarify, Chris, is it the question that they can only see one? No, or it's what you introducing them to they it. They can
0: only show them one.
2: Oh, oh, it's, oh, you
0: don't
7: That's get to That's why see the question, them, yeah. You yes.
2: don't get to see one any other more. Okay. Yeah. To introduce oh, them right. Spirit
7: Away is, the ob- is a good because it's just such a good like it's like a gateway drug. It's yeah. pot.
11: It's pot for cocaine heads.
2: Here,
7: but um
11: here's the thing though. I I uh my mom and I sat and watched Spirited Away. And when we were done with it, mom looks over at me and she was like, "Huh. Well, that was a movie." And like my mom didn't get it at all. It was not it was not I might be saying something about mom. No offense mom. Hmm. Um but I think, if if I had to choose only one, and that's tough because Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favorites, I would have to go with my neighbor Totoro. That's that would right. be the one. I'm
7: really worried you're gonna say Mononoke. Yeah, no, not that not one.
11: That one that, that takes them a different way, different way. But yeah. uh, my neighbor Totoro was the first one that I saw mm-hmm. as well, and I think that even though there's not really a, a villain in it. Or anything like that. It's just it, it 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 frames Miyazaki so well, and just like this is this is him. It's right an there. intimate story. Yes. And, yes. and
5: and I'm coming at this as a parent, having seen all of the Miyazakis, and mm-hmm. saying, how did I want to expose my children yeah. first? Because if my child is going to bounce off it, where is it going to be? Mononoke and how? awesome. Yeah. But it's going to scare the Jesus out of yep. them at that yep. age. As and, with Laputa. And I yes. debated between Ponyo and Totoro just as one that mm-hmm. they would be approachable. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with Totoro yeah. because I wanted to show an intimate and also differently paced film mm-hmm. than they are used to. They had already seen the Star Wars. So how do we slow it down and they were amazing with it. And then went on to Nausicaa, yeah. which has its own debatable, but yeah. it's also a slow film, mm-hmm. and I think I enjoyed showing them a different-paced film. As Can well.
7: I ask real quick? Did you show your kids Ponyo? Yes. Did they just scream ham at you for the next week and a half? <laughs> they <laughs> did. Ham. They did not. But ham. it was okay.
11: Like, I, I, like, I like Ponyo. I do. I do not like that ham. movie. If I had to put them, but. Totoro and Ponyo, side by side, it would totally be Totoro. Oh, yeah. agreed, fully agreed. Yeah. It was more of just yeah. which
5: were the ones that are gonna have a scarring effect, leaving True. you know, yeah. Minoké and, yeah. and Spirit Away and Howl's Castle is definitely ones being like, are they gonna get disturbed mm-hmm. by it? Where Totoro was more intimate. Pompoko
7: would be a good one for kids to start off on too. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there's so many of them. Okay. Yeah, there are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, there are. This is because like the except for the wind rises.
11: Yeah, the wind is Not that was a rough was,
7: film. You don't want okay. to show yeah. someone yeah.
0: "Graveyard of the Fireflies."
7: Oh, don't, 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 don't show Graveyard, your children wow, "Graveyard, Graveyard of the Fireflies. Fireflies." I will say though, just a side note, everybody should watch that film on the list of movies they should watch, along with "Schindler's List," um, "Hotel Rwanda," uh, "American History X," and Graveyard of the Fireflies." Are all those like four movies where everyone should watch them and then probably not ever have to watch them again? Quick, but should watch them.
11: Quick story: friends of mine and I went to Japan. And before we went, we were going to go to Hiroshima anyway, and we watched Graveyard of the Fireflies before we left, and then went to Hiroshima on the trip. That was. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Let's end it on that note. And time to move on.
0: What is the best vehicle in science fiction?
9: The Death Star.
6: Oh,
2: I'm just going to go there. Travels,
9: blows up planets. You went to Death Star. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great vehicle. If you had it, you'd blow up planets. You'd travel around the it galaxy. It doesn't go too fast. I don't believe it's yeah, but it goes.
3: Do you like the Death Star better than the Star Killer Base?
9: Oh yeah, yeah. Starkiller Base is just like an over exaggerated knockoff. And,
2: and, and it's, and it's <laughs> yes, really. You, you always got to be by a star. You're stuck. Yeah. Uh, the, best,
6: the best vehicle in science fiction has to be the TARDIS. I mean, TARDIS, Tardis is great. Science oh, science yeah. yep. yeah. Infinite it's size. size. I, I
2: wish I had a TARDIS.
8: Yeah. Voltron is a great vehicle. Oh, wow. It's five vehicle It's really six vehicles in one if you count Voltron combined as a separate vehicle. So why, why is it the best? <laughs> Why
2: is it the best? Yeah, why is it the best?
8: Because you get th- different modes of transportation. Yeah. So, our, so just to kind of play devil's advocate, it does advocate have lions here. for hands. I mean, yeah. come on,
6: that, Devil's Advocate,
3: cool. Power Rangers, Megazord versus Voltron. I mean, we don't. Have, that's
10: a different question in itself.
0: Dan, do not. I'm sorry. Was, why did you I'm sorry. sorry. I'm
3: right,
10: But never mind. Forget I think, right. I think uh, a good yeah. science yeah. fiction vehicle would be um, Star Trek for Chris Pine. Uh. <laughs> uh. Oh. Our MVP. I don't know. I
3: don't. I don't know if 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 my answer technically counts as science fiction. But you guys can determine. But I think on the impact of the people that are inside of the vehicle, and then I think the magic school bus is a big.
2: Oh, nicely done! Nicely done! I think that's like science fiction. It's got magic in it. Right. I mean.
3: You know car they're learning. Roads. Everybody's learning.
2: So this is obviously going to get compared to the TARDIS, but someone's got to say the DeLorean. And and I'm going to I'm going to ma- I'm going to make a pitch that it's a better vehicle than the TARDIS, if only because it's like 5000% cooler looking and acting. It's a it's a car that goes through time.
6: But you but you'd have to pick it up by, with a spaceship and put it on another planet. Actually, get it somewhere. Whereas the Tardis can take you across the universe. It,
2: it, Listen, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm going to win this. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to say that it, it's it's cooler. It's got a flux capacitor in it. It's got. It goes with a do- you, uh, Paired with a doctor. But but you have to
9: feed that flux capacitor with fuel. Yeah. And also, the Delorean does not have a swimming pool. The Tardis does.
3: I've always uh, heard that children are our future, and I think the magic school bus really... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Double down. Teasing on down Main Street,
8: you're relaxing,
1: feeling good. Can I
8: say it's weird the that...
1: Uh, Go, ahead. Go
8: ahead, Bill. It's Bill. weird that the joke of the DeLorean and Back to the Future was, it's a crappy vehicle, and now an entire generation thinks it's the coolest vehicle ever made.
1: Yeah.
11: Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure it classifies as science fiction, but the ve- best vehicle is Optimus Prime.
2: Oh, he's certainly a.
11: Beautiful. And if I could be Optimus Prime, I would be.
6: Yeah. That's a great question.
12: does not sound cooler? cooler? Nope, I, nope, nope. <laughs> I, Optimus Prime works for me. I, I actually like the Sun Crusher. It's an indestructible starship, fighter sized starship that Han Solo flew through the bridge of a uh, Imperial Star Destroyer and. It can also destroy sun.
1: I will see your Optimus Prime and history. raise you Optimus Primal, the Beast, the Beast Wars, Wars version so of Optimus. Prime.
8: Well, I think you're I think
1: getting away from
5: vehicle and into characters at this point. That is great. <laughs> the Heart of Gold from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, nice. And we
6: have our well played. And well uh, we have our also, British. So also British. Also British. Yeah. And especially they, if. They can't make a car. No. But they can make a machine.
1: No, <laughs> 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 it's the heart of gold. We should all shut up. Hard uh, heart, heart of, gold. of
9: gold can let's travel through time, though. I'm trying to remember.
2: Because you could jump through
9: space, no problem. But could travel. Right. Well,
2: I mean, they don't they don't really explore it in in the books. But if you can travel through space, you can travel through time. Because well, that's you're at least making convenient.
9: instantaneous travel, but you're not going backwards in time per se.
5: And the argument where it's against the TARDIS is the fact that the TARDIS also is sentient and has a mind of her own. So therefore, can be somewhat same thing with Optimus Prime. They have a will, whereas at least the Heart of Gold can potentially take you where you'd like to go.
0: Your next question is. What is one video game that everyone should play?
1: The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Why? Because he wanted to say it first. (laughs) There's a degree of braggadocio... Keep it to 30 seconds. ...that I will not (laughs) deny. But that game brings the past of Zelda, which is brilliant. A Link to the Past, the original Zelda, Link's Awakening are all brilliant games and it merges it so well with the modern Zelda that would it would become Zelda's the best franchise. Anybody who doesn't say that is dumb. So if we're agreeing that Zelda games beat all other games and we should, then Ocarina of Time is the marriage between the past and the future. And it really dis- de- it decided what games would be for the next 20 years
3: I, so, so
1: I hadn't I hadn't played I played many
3: uh, Zelda games and Link's Awakening was my first one I ever played and I played a lot of the game, the handheld games I didn't play for for the first time, Ocarina of Time to like 2009. My apologies. And, well, it's, it's an old and long old right. Well, and it was for the 3DS. That's when I that was my first experience with that, and I was like, okay, this is a good game. I wasn't like, oh my god, this is why all these other games are the way that they are. Sure,
1: yeah. And when you see Casablanca in 2018, you uh-huh. also don't get why it was a an important movie. Well, if you watch it all the way through, you will.
10: Oh, so, yeah. whoa, <laughs> yeah, Casablanca. Is pretty-
1: But my point is that, yeah, when you go along, other movies, other games, other TV shows, whatever it is, they pick up on what that show or movie or video game did, and they continue upon it. You can't go back in time then. You can't go before the game that picked it up changed it. So you're at the mercy of it's... Ocarina of Time did it all first. Yeah, I reluctantly no. agree
7: with yeah, everything, that everything proxy, that Christian that is saying. Yeah, by that that means we should all just really? eat a piece of wheat yeah. and claim that we've had all food.
13: Uh, but but I think I think there's something about that that game at that time changed the way every game after right. that was. Every game before that was different, and I and I think that the, I think that's a fair point to make. I, I would actually say if I was going to make everyone pay one game though, I'd make him play this war of mine. Have you guys played that, or know what it is? No. It's it is. really brutal. It's a survival game. It's based on uh, the Bosnian war in the '90s, and like you're just a person trying to survive in this bombed out city and it sucks. So it's like if I'm gonna make everyone on Earth play one game, oh, I'm gonna make them play one game that teaches them a fucking lesson
8: about not being a shithead.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I'm gonna make yeah. everybody play everybody on Earth play a
8: game, they're gonna play gone home. Um, so instead of Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, it should be Gone Home?
5: <laughs>
1: uh, for video game fans, it should be Ocarina of Time. For people who care about humanity, it should be Gone Home.
5: So I think Zelda is inaccessible as a game to say this is your first entry in. And I'm, I'm going to go with, with, with Matt on this one on something that is I mean, going to be... Breath of the Wild. And, I, and I argued against the idea, like, should a game like Tetris or Super Mario, which crea- create that foundation of... Game mechanics and understanding, which that if you can't get that, any other game in many other spaces will be hard for you. But if we're going on impact, uh, I also think that Dragon Cancer is an amazingly impactful game, also coupled with Gone Home and The War of Mine uh, are all great ways. And there are not many video games that leave emotional impact. I could even throw Firewatch in there. So for that so. purpose,
6: I would throw in the game Journey which is mm. one of the few games I've ever played that has generated... I think Journey is accessible to anyone. My yeah.
5: four-year-old was able to play it, and yeah. it had impact.
7: And right. to piggyback on that, I'm going to say Mario Party 2.
4: Oh, <laughs> oh
2: interesting.
7: And actually, this is my real answer. Um, and the they, too, are heading to a... The reason a why end. is because for people who don't like to play video games, and you're trying to pick, like, what is a game you want to play, it is a, and 2, because it really... I mean, that ship has gone downhill real slow. Uh, and there's like 12 of them and they, yeah. But, uh, it was a game that like in, like in college, my friends and I, we had, and we played video games and then any of our friends who didn't play would sit down and play this game and then come back and keep playing with us. Like it was the game we could get people to keep playing with us. Smash Brothers didn't work. Uh, any of the Mario games, they, you know, they would lose interest, but, uh, basically like the, the, that party style game where you can just come in. Based, you know, except for and the first one sucks because you got a welt on your hand from that spinning that damn thing in the middle. But the second one took that out. Yeah, that's it. So I guess- all of your epic games about life, well, and no, that's it. No, it's Mario based, Party 2.
3: Based on the answers everybody's given right now, I, I guess I have to clarify the question is, when you say only one game, you're thinking of games that tell a really great story and have an impact on you, or a game that's a game and it's just fun to play and you can replay it forever
1: and you ever. You can interpret the question take out however yeah, you, yeah, you wish. I mean, you
0: can interpret the question however you wish. It would seem
1: to depend on if you're somebody for whom video games hold value, yeah. or if
2: you're somebody for whom you're just
1: a human being and needs to be taught something right
2: because so. value
7: then it's just chrono trigger and the rest of you just fail. Uh, so,
2: so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the question as uh, everybody plays the game to hopefully gain something from it much mm-hmm. like the way Matt was talking about yeah. and going in a different direction other than an emotional value I would t- I would say Metal Gear Solid to teach people problem-solving yeah because the
1: original Metal
2: Gear Solid? Metal Gear Solid yeah. One. yeah. yeah. Okay. Or I mean, if you want to play
3: the Twin Snakes for the GameCube, which is a remake sure. of the first one. Yeah. Better it, graphics. It plus. at
2: least teaches people, and there, there might be a better game to, to do this as well, but it at least teaches people to say, all right, I, there's not an obvious answer here. I have to look at all the variables. I have to do a certain set of actions to get to the solution. And that's, that's a life skill that you can apply to anything. It anybody.
3: has a lot of storytelling in it, too. That's true.
2: If I, if, would... I, if I had to choose one game that someone was
11: going to play, one of my personal favorites, this would go back to an a uh, question we already have previously of the best character as well, Kratos, God of War. Okay. That would be what I was like, play the this game. The original God of War? The original God of War. Yes, yes, Chris. The original God of War. I don't war. understand. Did you hear me? I, I, I because understand. I played it on all four modes. I beat it on all four modes. I played that game over and over and Ruse. over again. Yes. It's, it's Everyone, by the, all, of, all of their no, eyes are so at right. part, Yes. No, I, I haven't
1: played the new one. I and that. I heard it's great. I heard it's great because
11: it's not like the other one. I, I I the first one was one of my favorite games, so.
3: No one's mentioned N sixty four Pod Racing yet.
0: No oh one. my god! <laughs> <laughs> I, I <laughs> will <want to laughs> i want to say <laughs> Bill, have you? Did you?
8: No, I, I would go with uh, Portal. I, I think Portal um, is a really good one for uh, showing a gradual curve of difficulty in bringing someone in uh, without the pressure of like a death penalty or any negative consequence when the game starts and gradually building it up over time uh, where there are eventually consequences and you have to do more and more demanding things while also managing some pretty subversive humor, which is kinda like meta to understanding how games work, but I think can also be appreciated if you've never played a game before. Can can I get some love for the
9: GoldenEye video game? GoldenEye is great. First-person shooter, you know, the player versus player is awesome. Just
1: because we said Portal and we didn't say the word GLaDOS. GLaDOS is the best character in video games that has ever been created. I mean... Aside from Mario. <laughs>
2: yeah. Best character ever. Yes. Ever.
0: Pat, did you have an answer? Huh? Did you have an answer? Oh, uh, I already plugged
1: my GoldenEye. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah.
2: I would like to
1: make clear one thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please do. Um, I'm going to cut you off, Christian,
0: because i got to keep running. Name one film that you think everyone should watch.
1: I think a modern audience with modern sensibilities should probably see Pulp Fiction. I think that has kind of defined uh, a lot of things in the 90s, certainly, and 2000s. A lot of things are representative of it since then. uh, Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies. Other people may have other opinions but I think in terms of what um, genre films are uh, in the last 20 years, I think Quentin Tarantino is a large part of it. And I think Pulp Fiction is his biggest film.
9: I'll go with Casablanca. Uh, it's one of my personal favorites. It's typically within the top five of most lists of greatest movies ever made. It's the best film ever. Yeah, had. I mean, it's got Humphrey Bogart. It's, you know... Got Nazis. It's got love. It's got lost love. It's got reconciliation. What more do you want? Uh, but it is—it's perfectly, you know—it's a beautifully well-crafted movie. It's you know from start to finish. It's well done. The dialogue, the story—you know—it's it, the complete package. It's up there with Godfather, Citizen Kane—that caliber of movie.
4: And you know, just to piggyback on that, I would say Love Actually. Oh. <laughs> uh, whenever I'm in a bad mood, yeah. that's what I watch. Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna go genre film, I would say Dark City, but Love Actually it's such a good film.
7: It's good. <laughs> I mean, I think we're many also things like Shawshank Redemption, da da da. da. But my answer is Clue. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, um, and I have reasons. One, it is one of the best movies of all time. Uh, Where one of the reasons I really like it is one, it's comedians who are holding comedians and actors who are holding their own in. A simple set of a house. That's and it's very slapstick. It's very farce. It's very, Mm -hmm. um, it it really like nowadays when you try to watch like comedy movies and such, like some stuff's funny, but it's like so reliant on dialogue, tech, or blah blah blah. And this is just so like I mean they're in this space. They don't really move around a lot. They except when they run around from room to room. Tim Curry runs a marathon in that film. But uh, yeah, I just think it's just such a pinnacle level of what like comedy is and mm-hmm. what it was and where, it, like and this, yeah so there
3: you one go one of my favorite films that i think that everybody should watch at some point is um is there an echo can i hear myself uh, there is, there is, a- echo. uh echo. is uh road to perdition i don't know if anybody's seen very that it, uh, oh, yeah. just you got your like visually i'm very struck to like visual films and this one has really great cinematography plus you get your daniel craig fix in there he's he's oh, in it I would let sit on my face. We've right. heard that we right. right, right. Yeah, no, he's not a great no, no, not a great no. person, but
1: maybe Tom Cruise's best film. Tom,
3: Tom Hanks, Hanks is best film. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because because Tom yeah. Cruise's best film is yeah. clearly Tom Gunn. Look, um, I said what I said. Yeah. And I will say <laughs> 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 No, obviously <laughs> Tom, Tom Gunn. Is <laughs> Thank you.
3: Uh I that, that's that's my pick. Everybody should watch it, at least take a look at that. I, take, uh, I think in, it has like it's shot in Chicago too, I think part of it was but overall
1: I really enjoyed that
3: film.
10: I think
1: Listen, everybody Listen Jude uh, Downey Jr mm-hmm. was so good and I, I see we did there.
10: I think everybody should watch as a kid probably uh Inside Out the Pixar film cuz oh, I think that's it's a just really good film, it's yeah. a great film and I think it's just such an interesting look at emotions and how we operate and how we process them. I think it's puts it in a beautiful perspective that would yeah it's great.
4: Anger's kind of a dick, though.
10: Yeah. yeah. I got to go with uh,
6: "Singing in the Rain." Uh, it's, it's a classic. It is a joy every mm-hmm. time you see it. It's the perfect antidote for <laughs> anything that's going wrong. And it's as a piece of Hollywood craftsmanship. Not only is a study of Hollywood history, but then just the apex of the musical form. I mean, it's amazing.
13: Uh, I was having trouble answering this, but then clue kind of made me think is mean, probably the best answer but uh, I, f- for me for me like if I'm thinking of something more recent I would say what we do in the shadows mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, because that yes. is just it's the funniest movie in the last 10 years yeah. uh it's 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 a I, perfect I
9: comedy i, I can't I talk enough people into watching that movie. yeah it's yeah, yeah. so yeah. good <laughs> i will be talked into this later
3: yeah it's good so i do want to say
4: something fairly controversial uh, that was said earlier like uh tom cruise's best movie is american made i'm so sorry american Made. that Mayden. was amazing tom, tom, that tom was an tom amazing hanks. we saw that recently that was tom incredible
1: Cruise is not as good as tom hanks and i misspoke
13: my, uh, my <laughs> tom tom hanks's best movie is the money pit
1: <laughs> uh, uh
13: that would be joe
9: versus the volcano thank you very much yeah, joe versus volcano is the apex with turner and hooch just below that
1: so. Joe, Joe oh and also a Toy Story that no. yeah, was also good see Toy Story guys have you not seen Toy Story it's, it's, it's about no, it's, no tell us about
3: it best All right, and oh, save it for the Toy Story person down Main Street <laughs> no
0: okay All right. All right. oh real quick quick switch out
11: I have to go back to my neighbor Totoro that's it <laughs> I, it's, it's that good. Chris, tell us about the I next mean, you can question. pair it with Graveyard of the Fireflies. That'll make in it question? interesting. All right.
0: We've got just a few minutes left, so let's power through these last two, even though the last one actually is not an easy one to power through. Your next question is... Blank is the greatest video game villain because of Blank.
8: Uh, the eggplant from the Adventure Island franchise is the greatest <gasps> villain... Of all time, because it is relentless.
0: I found Adventure Island was the greatest villain of all time because it's Adventure Island, and it's really hard.
8: That's a good point, too. If you are looking for a game, can a game be a villain, Chris?
0: Oh, that game pissed me off. But then it goes to Battletoads, so... So then Whoa. in that case,
8: is, like, the jet bike of Battletoads the villain of the jet Battletoads? Bike, uh,
0: the, yes, the jet bike in Battletoads is the villain.
8: Okay, I'm going to stick with eggplant, but if you want to go with jet bike... <laughs> yes. All right,
0: I feel like we already said it with right, GLaDOS. I'm going to say Sephiroth. Ooh. Hold on, uh, real quick. Wait, I Jump. thought you would say GLaDOS. Hold on, Sean. Yeah, GLaDOS oh, I forgot from
10: Portal, Portal 1
0: That's and 2. That's
1: the right answer.
10: Yeah. GLaDOS? Yeah. Why GLaDOS? Because uh, it's uh, uh, funny. It's... Uh, she goes on this whole little journey of uh, redemption and then villainy again and then redemption again. And it just, it's a compelling character.
4: Okay, can I jump in here before you do, Christian? Um, the, the new Injustice games have put out the best uh, anti-Superman story out there. I love, like I'm <laughs> not pandering to people in the room, but it is one of the best video game villains that turned into a comic book villain uh, because they carried on the story in the comic books. Uh, It's one of the best uh, evil Superman stories out there.
7: I actually have never played Portal, but I sat and watched someone, and I have to actually say, uh, when the breakdown starts happening, it's the computer, right? That's the, it's, yeah. Yeah, I gotta give that one props for being creepy as all hell while being real funny. And then I watched the credits with the song
11: which is real funny. Mm -hmm.
7: However, my answer is Kefka from Final Fantasy VI Um, because that was my answer. And we have a whole podcast about it. You can tune into that one.
0: Ryan Bond.
5: Handsome Jack from Borderlands.
0: Oh, Oh, good. That's a good one. And he walked away. And he walks away. (laughs) And he walks away. away. Brilliant. Let me go in and move us into our final question because this one everybody may have an answer for. What is your most prized nerd possession?
3: I've got a lot of things that I, you know that I really love, but this is something that I noticed that I had recently, and it, it was—it's just—it's it's Earthbound. It's an Earthbound cart from a Super Nintendo that apparently is worth a lot. Uh, so for yes. me, it's a prized possession. I don't know if I rank anything that I, you know. Oh, you know what? Nope, I got it now. I have a 14 karat gold. Uh, a uh, tie clip. that's a, it's a Zelda. It's a Legend of Zelda insignia, uh, and I got it from a deposit that I put down for a <laughs> wedding ring for someone that didn't work out uh, from the Lord, the people who made the original rings from the Lord of the Rings films in New Zealand. I
0: okay. really thought you were going to say something about Pod Racer. Nope. But nope. I hit my three.
3: Cool. I hit my three and I was done with that. <laughs> this, I guess that's my, it's the most expensive, the most prized, like, nerd possession, I think. Comedy is in the third. That's cool.
4: Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I like, I have my top three favorite comic book characters, and I have the number one issue of Swamp Thing, who is one of my top, top three, and that would probably be it. That's, I've got a signed poster by a bunch of Star Wars characters, but that's second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how much? How much is that? It's Swamp not worth thing very much.
4: It's actually not worth very much at all because Swamp Thing is not a very popular character. But yeah, that movie didn't take off, did it?
7: <laughs> yeah, wasn't that like an entire USA Network show for a while called Swamp Thing? I yeah, okay. with Lee yeah. Majors. Yeah. There we
4: go. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Right for after that. La Femme, Bringing that up.
8: Uh, I think my most prized nerd possession is I have the the Generation 1 Jetfire from Transformers. That's pretty cool. Which, uh, if you aren't familiar, it, it looks like a, a jet fighter, just like the one in uh, Macross on Robotech. It is the same. And, and there's a reason yeah. for that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, for uh, somewhat obvious reasons, can't make that particular model of Jetfire anymore. Like all the subsequent ones are... Uh, you know, a different, like, mold of him, and he has a different uh, body for the jet, and it's kind of faded. Like, I left it in, literally, like, in my room with an, near an open window in the sun for, like, eight years, so now it's all, like, yellowed, but it's maybe the only possession I have uh, from my uh, half-brother, who is still alive, but I don't talk with him, which I actually like, so it has some value to me.
0: Is that, is that a toy that you had from your youth, or is that something you picked up as a collector?
8: So he had a bunch of Generation 1 Transformers and most of them mysteriously fell apart when they got into my hands, but the Jetfire is pretty much the only one that made it through intact.
6: Uh, I've got to go with the uh, Big Trouble in Little China poster I purchased <laughs> at Gen Con back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, which I still have
0: is it framed up
6: on the wall. It is not signed, okay. Okay. unfortunately. Now when I met John Carpenter once, I only, he was only signing DVDs, he wasn't signing anything else, unfortunately. But uh, it's still there, so, yeah.
5: I spent three years recently collecting Disney Infinity characters with my children, and as a reminder of all of that we did over Disney Infinity 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0, we caught every character, including one that was uh, discontinued and thrown into garbage bins in China, and I still managed to find Peter Pan from there and order it exclusively. Um, But now it is a reminder on our wall of something that, Uh, my entire family part took in uh, and had lots of great hours in. It's
2: just, I love Zelda. Uh, But in the course of my uh, time of liking Zelda, I did get a chance to dress up uh, for Halloween one time. And in helping make that costume, my my dad and my two brothers uh, carved a master sword out of wood and made it for me, painted it, uh, I just, I love it, I'm, I take it, I take good care of it, carry it through all my years. It, it's, it's a wonderful reminder, uh, both of my love of the game and the love of my family.
7: Mine, which I have in a box somewhere, I don't know quite where it is. It's, I think it's in uh, my parents' house in California, but um, my college, I guess, and post-college boyfriend sewed for me and he was doing this like we lived in the same uh, apartment building so he was real sneaky about it and he sewed a giant boo beanbag chair and like the ghost s- like the ghost boo oh my God. and it's like my size and you guys don't know what i look like but i'm not small um and um uh and he like sewed this thing and like Filled it with beans, which by the way, we did not line well, so they went everywhere, but um, Like I went into my I just went into my room one day and it was just sitting there And it was giant and I just thought that's like the nerdiest thing that I have that was not a Original gift for Chris Bashan. that's still on my wall, which is made for him by his brother Which <laughs> is a giant Zelda emblem, which is really cool, but that's not mine what was it made by Well, whatever take the credit Rob. It was made by Rob <laughs> He welded it. I decided
13: <laughs> um, uh, I a few years ago collected every single Justice League unlimited action figure <laughs> from that TV show, which I think is, despite all the Marvel movies, is still the best long-form uh, film or cartoon media of a superhero story. It's like one of my favorites, and it's a real and I love DC. Comics, and it's a really expansive. Uh, character roster, there are really obscure characters like Crimson Fox and people I barely even know who they are, and I just like, nah, I'm doubling down on this man, I'm getting every single one.
11: When I think about this question, I don't, I never really, I mean, I've thought like i have maybe collecting something, but I never really collected anything, and I don't really collect. Um, but if I think about something that made me the most excited, uh, Chris has the um, Meta Knight amiibo. And I was like, when he finally got a meet Meta Knight, I was like, oh, it's Meta Knight. Yeah. That, that made me so excited because he had Meta Knight now. That would be my, it's not even mine, but that's what. <laughs>
9: You're just coveting it?
11: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much.
9: I'm, I'm going to get, you know, out there a bit. My most prized geek possessions, is my brain. Uh, I mean, I've got comics, I've got action figures from my childhood, but my brain's where I take it all in. This is where I watch it, I expose myself, I mull it over, I think about it, I think about the expanded, you know, what ifs. Um, so, you know, the physical trinkets that come along with it, they're nice, I've got some of them, but it's really my imagination, you know, where I take this in, where it lives with me every day, on the drive to work, you know, trying to go to bed, that's where, that's where it hits home for me.
0: Uh, I will, I guess I will answer this question, since I, I'm also on a mic and have hardly talked this evening, which is weird for one of my shows. Um, I have been gifted many great nerd gifts in my entire existence, but one of my most, <clears throat> prized possessions is probably my original Nintendo and the reason that is is because when I was 28 or 29 I went home to play it because I had still I still had it and it didn't work and um my dad being the man that he was researched how to fix it. And he ordered, he found a website that made replacement parts. And I went with him to his workplace to watch him like disassemble it and repair it. And he fixed it. And it was just really interesting to watch him, uh, who he, he didn't really, it was never his gaming system. It was my gaming system. We had different gaming habits, but it was one of those things that kind of brought us together. And as somebody who has recently become a father, um, I appreciate that thing even more cuz I actually connect it more with him than I do with what it meant to me as a child. So that is probably my most prized nerd possession cuz now it still works thanks to him. And that is it, my friends. Uh, That is our entire show. I had uh, 15, 16 nerds join me this evening to come and talk about all these various nerd topics. I apologize, dear listener, if the audio is a little bit all over the place. We have nine different mics set up at three different stations, so we are doing the best that we can here at the Nerd Outcast Podcast. This is episode 100, and I have been your host, Chris Bashan. And joining me tonight, and we have a long list of names to get through, have been... Dan Schiffmacher. Patrick Sweetman. Ryan Bond. Jeremy Connie. Christian Masonic.
8: Rob Shoemate. Sean Okerberg. Bill Nielsen. at So Many Bits on Twitter. twitch.tv So Many Bits. So Many Bits podcast coming out every Monday. About video games.
13: Matt Young. No plugs.
7: Joel
8: Thompson. Dominic Chanciolo. Charles, right? Gavin Donnellan
7: at so many bits for so many, I don't know. At, uh, oh, so many bits. Okay. Uh,
0: many of the voices that you heard tonight have been on previous episodes, and you can find them elsewhere here in Chicago and around the internet. So please check us out. Thank you for listening, and this has been NOP One.